everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and I'm glad that you've chosen to listen to this podcast on this day. I hope that it will bless you in your journey. Today we have Matt Dabbs interviewing Ariana Grande, uh, Ariana Rimson, not Ariana Grande, two totally different people. She's going to be talking to us today about discipling women, specifically discipling women in difficult circumstances. She shares her own story about coming to know the Lord and how somebody discipled her and also other stories about her discipling women. Hey, last week we had our National Disciple Making Forum in Nashville, Tennessee, and it was fan. Fantastic. If you missed it, I'm so sorry, but hey, you can go online and watch the whole thing. All the main stage sessions, including track sessions that happened on the main stage, for only $49. This promo is going from now to the end of this year, 2021. So check out the link in the show notes. You can click that and go purchase that today. All right, y'all. I know you didn't click on this episode to hear me ramble and give you promos. So without further ado, this is Matt Dabbs and Ariana Remsen. So we are very excited to have on the collective today, Ariana Remsen. She is the executive director of Mariah House in Memphis, where she's done that for the last three years and been on staff for the last seven. She has a focus on discipling women, particularly women who are coming out of some pretty difficult circumstances. And we love that that is her focus and emphasis with people who are, who are on the margins, just going through hard things. She loves God and his word and loves sharing that with others. That's a beautiful thing. And so we're really excited to have Ariana on the collective today to hear more of her story and her approach. So welcome, Ariana. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about where this interest in discipling women came from for you. What inspired you to do this? Yes. Well, it actually started from my salvation experience. I accepted the Lord when I was 19 years old at the University of Illinois at Chicago. I was a sophomore in college. I thought I was a Christian. I was, went to church as a child, went to Awana, memorized scripture, did all of those things. But it wasn't until college that I started to see that I was really lukewarm. I wasn't hot mm -hmm. or cold. And I had a friend in college, Joanna Albright at the time, she's Joanna Clark. She kept kind of sharing the gospel with me in life. She would just do a lot of life with me. And then I also had an RA who would just show me what it looked like to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. And Joanna started inviting me to a church that was meeting on campus. And after denying her request over and over again, I finally said yes. And I went to that church on a Sunday morning. It was meeting in a lecture center. And I sat down and the Lord just kept asking me, do you know what it means to be saved? And I did not have an answer for him. Mm -hmm. I kept saying, well, it means that I go to church or it means that I have a Bible in my room, or it means this, but none of those answers um, got to the core issues. And so Lord just kept asking the same question over and over again. And I went down front after the sermon was over. They didn't have an altar call, but I just went down front and I asked the pastor, what does it mean to be saved? Hmm. And he led me to a woman, Leah Ingram at the time, who was sitting there. And I think it was all just the Lord's plan. She was just sitting there with her Bible. And I sat down next to her and she started sharing the gospel with me. She had me read scriptures and it was like scales fell from my eyes. I got it. And I had read all these scriptures over and over again. I had memorized them before, but it was at that point that I realized that I was not a believer and I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. So she led me to the Lord. She allowed me to pray for my own salvation. She didn't leave me in a prayer. And then after that, she asked me, did I want to meet with her? 
and I didn't know what she meant and she didn't know what she meant, but we just started <laughs> meeting for the next four years and wow. we joke about it now. And I tell her like, you discipled me. And she said, I didn't disciple you. I just did life with you. And I was like, well, that's called discipleship and that's what you did. And that's what I'm doing with women. And, and so she just changed my, my walk with the Lord. Um, she showed me how to share the gospel with people. She showed me how to study God's word, how to memorize scripture how to go to the Lord for issues in my life, how um, the Lord wanted me to be obedient. And she didn't Bible beat me. She never um, said, well, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that. She would just show me scripture and she would just allow the word to speak to me. And, and I love that. And so that was four years. And then probably my last year of college, I started doing that for a young woman. I was helping out with a ministry called, um, what was it called at that time? I think it's a new name now, but it was a ministry for youth and um, a housing project in Chicago. And I started meeting with this young girl and the Lord was just like, okay, remember what Leah did with you. You now do this with her. And uh -huh. I was like, okay. So I just started discipling her for her last two years of high school. And then it just kept going after that. And the Lord has always put women in my life and um, whether they are coming out of abusive relationships, which is what I deal with now, or drug and alcohol addiction, or they are women who have been raised in the church but have never accepted the Lord as their personal savior, or women who had no idea who the Lord was, and I get a chance to see them come to know the Lord as savior and then disciple them in their walk with the Lord. So it's from all different backgrounds, but it is the one thing in my life that I feel like really makes an impact, which is discipleship. Everything else is secondary. If you don't get a chance to walk somebody through uh, what it looks like to have a relationship with the Lord and walking wholeheartedly with him. Yeah. God really called you. I mean, he was persistent. It sounds yes. Like. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was. Do you think that made a difference, like to, to come to faith in adulthood? Versus I, yes, I do. I do because I think as a child... I remember going to church and getting baptized even as a child, but no one ever telling me what it looked like to live for the Lord. And I think as a child, you kind of just follow your parents' guidelines and you just do what they tell you to do. And so you're like, okay, I must be a Christian because I'm being somewhat obedient while my parents are watching. But as an adult, there's no one watching. There's no accountability. So you can kind of live any way you want to. And that's where I feel like the rubber meets the road where you have to decide who are you living for now? Are you going to live for yourself and go down this road that is going to lead to destruction? Or are you going to surrender your life and live for the Lord? And that is hard. And I think as an adult, that was the thing that was I wrestled with. Um, and I think even from my freshman year, I think the Lord kept trying to pull me to himself. But I so wanted to have like one foot in the world and one foot in church. And the Lord was mm -hmm. just like, you can't live like that. And I think a lot of adults live like that. A lot of kids live like that, um, but it's not until you actually realize that that is not a full way to live. I am very thankful God was persistent with you. He <laughs> knew you needed persistence. Yes. <laughs> and you are a persistent person. Mm -hmm. It seems to me just listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's rubbed off. Yeah. Well, so tell us a little bit about how you see God working at Mariah House and kind of the mission there. And then let's dive in a little bit on discipling and kind of what you do with, with that specifically. Yes. Yeah, so Mariah House came about 
Um, when I moved to Memphis, I started to take the girls that I was discipling to the Memphis Union Mission downtown, which is the men's shelter. And we would serve meals. Um, and then I started asking them, well, is there a place for the women to live? Because I saw men living there and I saw the women just coming and getting meals and leaving. And they told me about Mariah House. So I started taking my ladies there and we started out doing babysitting and then we did exercise class. I mean, whatever they wanted us to do, I said, we're here to serve. Then they needed a, um, a teacher at the time. So I asked, you know, if they wanted me to teach a Bible class, I said, I'm in downline, I can teach a Bible study. And that's kind of where the Lord continued to have me go. And one thing I, I enjoyed about working with those women is a lot of them had never read scripture for understanding. They just kind of read it for the stories. And when I would have a chance to teach them a Bible study and the light bulbs go off and they got it. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of my favorite stories is a woman who um, she had gotten a Bible and she had to be in maybe her late fifties. And she came in with such excitement and she said, have you heard about Noah? Did you hear about the flood? And I was like, oh honey, it's just getting started. You just keep reading. <laughs> I said, you're in the first book. It gets better. It gets better. Just keep reading. And um, so during that time, the director at that time, Beverly, asked me if I would come on staff. And I actually turned her down the first year. I said, I don't think that's a position for me. I've never had that background. I don't have addiction in my background. You know, all those things. And she said, but I really feel like this is where the Lord wants you to be. And I said, well, I don't know. I got to pray about it. So she hired someone else because I said no. And then the next year she had a position available again. And she said, all right, you really have to pray about this and come on staff. And I prayed and the Lord was like, this is what I've called you to. And I was like, well, you got to equip me because my, my, my bachelor's degree is in sports medicine. Okay. So there's no, <laughs> you can't transfer that over to counseling. And I was like, Lord, this doesn't make sense. But what he had been showing me was that I had been doing counseling with downline. You know, I had the emergent leaders, so they were 20, 30-year-olds. And granted, many of them were believers, but many of them are just regular young women who had struggles. So I found myself counseling them. And Lord was like, you've already done this. Like in discipleship, you are doing a form of counseling. You're spiritually counseling people. So I took the position and then um, in four years, then Beverly decided that she was going to retire. And I said, well, I don't know who's going to take that position. And, you know, the Lord had a plan. So now I'm in that role. But the thing about Mariah House is you have women who are coming from very hard backgrounds. Um, a lot of them feel like they have been forgotten. A lot of them are angered with God, if I'm honest because they don't understand why things happened to them when they were children and who was supposed to be protecting them. And, mm -hmm. um, and so when you start talking to them about God being a father, it's really hard for them to accept that. And so you have to show them the love of God first. And then that is what draws them to him. Because if they see him as a judge or they see him as a disciplinarian, they're going to like push away. But the Lord shows himself as a loving father. And when they see that and they feel that love for the Lord, then it makes them hunger for him more. And you just get a chance to feed that hunger with the word of God. We tell them all the time that we are not their savior. Mariah House is not their savior. The, the word of God is and the Lord is. And so all we are is a vessel. We just They just have a plate and we just fill it up with God's word and they just eat it up.
And it's like, that's what's going to change your life. Not me, not anything I share with you. If it's not coming from God's word, it's not going to make an impact in your lives. That's so good. I love that, that, you know, just showing people the love of God is so important. And yet there, there is discipline from the Lord. Mm-hmm. But unless you understand the love of God, then that doesn't mean an awful lot. And, you know, just a, a brief 20 second illustration of that, like when I was doing psychology before I was doing ministry, clinical psychology, uh, working on a degree in that, we were doing child play therapy, teaching parents, mm-hmm. training parents to be their own kids play therapist. The first section of that was child directed. The kid is in the lead. The kid is having fun and the parent is following along to give the kid as much fun as they could possibly have. So that when the discipline came, then the kids so wanted to be with their parent because they've been having so much fun doing this that, you know, that the relationship was improving because sometimes with oppositional kids, relationships are strained, right? Three to six year olds. So we really taught like the love of the parent for the child first before we got to the discipline. And I just yeah. so hear that in what you're saying. I, I love it's that. It's so funny you so, say that because I love child play therapy. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. that is so true. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it was called PCIT. It was really cool. And, um, but yeah, that's why I hear you saying, and I think that's so good because we can boil this down. Like it's so easy in a format like this to say, okay. And, and we can talk about, I do want to talk about this, but what you said is most important first, the love of God, like, what's your process? What's the checklist? What are the steps? Like, how do you do it without that? It's not really going to work. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, now let me talk the other direction and say, how do you do it? Okay. <laughs> so, um, we have at Mariah House, it's a 12-month program. And so we do about six to nine months of counseling. And we have Bible studies. We do relationship classes. We do celebrate recovery. And so it basically all encompasses God's word. And we want them to see that God's word can meet every situation in their lives. You know, so if they're having problems with relationships, we go to God's word. If they're under, not understanding how to break this addiction, we go to God's word. So we show them every answer to every single issue they have is in the word of god we start with um the gospel and so one book that we use there is called gospel-centered life and we kind of walk them through that we also use the book um search for significance and freedom in christ by neil anderson and so we try to start with what is your identity because a lot of them especially women who have mental illness that's been their identity you know, I'm labeled as major depressive disorder. That's who I am. Or I've been labeled as this from my family. Or I've been labeled as an addict from AA or NA. And so we're saying, no, that's not your identity. That is a an issue that you have had. Yes, mm-hmm. that is um, maybe even disease you have when you think about mental illness. Yes, but that is not your identity. You know, you are, um, you were created by God. So we start back in Genesis. You were created by God in his image for his glory. Now, when you accept him, then you become a child of God. And this is what that life looks like. And and I believe one of my favorite passages is in John where it says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. And I believe mm. that with my whole heart, that the Lord can truly set them free. Um, I, I personally believe a lot of the issues that our women deal with are sin issues at their core. You know, and I know a lot of people have different views on that and and that's okay. But when, when I see it and I walk with a woman for a year and they are coming off that medication and they're able to say no to the alcohol or drugs and they start to see like, oh, that was a sin issue. Like I was trying to numb pain that I felt with, or I was just being rebellious in my life, or I just didn't want to 
say no to my flesh, at the end of the day, I'm able to do that now because I'm recognizing that was a heart issue. Mm. And now the Lord has dealt with my heart and I don't have to go back to those things. That's so really powerful. That. Yeah. Um, and then once they get to about nine months is when they start working. And so that's when they start to see how do they put everything that they've been trained in into practice. It's kind of like, okay, now go out. You go out to the workplace and how do you deal with a, a coworker who invites you to go out for drinks? How do you deal with, a, you know, a man who's um, on your job with you and you have to deny him and say, no, those, are, those aren't things I do anymore. So they have to start putting it into practice. And that's really at the end of the day, discipleship, right? Like we train and then you say, okay, you go and do. And then we see what they do. <laughs> Hopefully they do. Sometimes they don't. That's human beings. Mm. I was reminded when you said that about the word disciple, you know, we talk about how it's used like 300 times almost in the New Testament, mm. but it's really only used in the Gospels and Acts. And then when you hit Paul, the word kind of goes away in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And then it moves to family terminology. It moves to the child of God, brothers and sisters. God is you know, the family of God, this adoption metaphor from Paul. So like when you said, like you're teaching them to be a child of God through discipleship, is that kind of what I hear you saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Cause when you see him as a father, then you want to honor your father. And mm. then if you see Christ as your brother, then you're like, okay, I want to imitate him. You know, you think about, I've never, I'm an only child. I have brothers and sisters, but not from my mom and dad. But when I think about families that have older siblings, usually the younger sibling wants to imitate the older sibling, right? They want to walk like them and talk like them and do like them. So if we see ourselves as children of God and Jesus being our brother, then I want to imitate him because I know that the father is pleased with him. And it's like, okay, well, how do I make sure the father is pleased with me? All right. I want to imitate my older brother. I want to do what he does. And that's why, you know, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, you know, because don't imitate me. I might mess up. I probably will mess up because I am still a work in progress. Hmm. But Jesus has it perfect, you know, so he is the perfect example for us. That's really good. Do you, do you have any advice on, like, specific discipling things that you do to, as you say, like, life on life, walking with these women, like, are there other are tools or things that you use frequently? Yeah. Um, one thing I use a lot is scripture memory. And so what I do is when they tell me what their issues are, we try to pull out some of the key words that they're saying. And I say, okay, let's go to God's word and mm. see where those words are in scripture. Because instead of just giving them general passages to memorize, I think if you give them something focused on their subject, their issue, then you're more likely to memorize it. So if they're struggling with anger, then we're going to look at verses on anger. And that's what you're going to memorize. If they're struggling with their identity, then we're going to look on verses about who God says they are. And that's what they start to memorize. So that when Satan tries to attack them in that area, then they can go back with the word of God, right? Because like in Psalm 119, it says, um, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And I think you have to be really specific in what you hide in your heart so that you can resist the temptation of the enemy. So we do that. Then the other thing I do with them is, and this might sound simple, but I have them pray for their own issues because so many times, uh, especially new believers, they always want someone else to pray for them because they think that your prayer is more holy oh, yeah. and 
and you'll get to God quicker than they will. And it's like, no, if we're both children, he's going to hear you just as quickly as he'll hear me. So I get them praying in our one-on-one -on -one sessions. I'm like, okay, it's your time to pray. And they're like, oh, but I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. It's like, well, I'm not going to say it for you. So <laughs> you better go ahead and start talking. And, and it's amazing that after a few months, I don't have to ask them to pray. They just are automatically doing it. And they're like, wow, I've really learned how to pray better. And I'm like, that's something you're going to take with you forever. Because you want to teach people how to feed themselves. You don't want to have someone feeling like they've always got to come back to you for answers. And early on when I was discipling women, um, I remember I had a young girl in Chicago and I didn't realize that part. I felt like I had to always be available and always give her the answer. And so when I moved to Memphis, I realized that I really had messed up because I hadn't taught her how to feed on God's word herself. And so she was always calling me and always saying, what verse do I go to? And I said, I will never do this again, Lord. I mm. will make sure yep. that I teach people how to feed themselves because you make them dependent on you and that's not healthy. You know, and, and Christ didn't do that with his disciples. He taught them in that way, you know, in Matthew 28, when he could say, now go and make disciples, there wasn't a Q&A. They weren't like, okay, wait, give us one more thing. They knew exactly what to do because he had taught them. So, so I teach them, you know, how to look at specific verses or their issues, um, how to pray specifically to the Lord. Um, and that's another thing, even in prayer is teaching them to be specific about their prayer, because there is that fear that, especially when they keep thinking about their past, that God doesn't care. And so they're like, well, I have to kind of get myself clean before I can ask God for something. And it's like, no, if you are his child, he says, ask whatever you will. Now, it doesn't mean he'll give you every single thing. It's got to line up with his word. But I try to teach them, ask specifically. You need a car, ask God for a car. You need a job, ask God for a job. You know where exactly you want to work, ask God for that specific job. And then they see and this, their faith starts to grow in that. Um, other things are probably just teaching them how to study God's word. Um, one thing we use for that is, um, well, there's a few different ones, but I like to use the observation, um, interpretation. Uh, what's the other one I call? I think I call it. Like application. Well, I kind of, it's like I make it up in my mind, but it's observation. So like observe the text. And then correlation is one that kind of added in there is, where is that concept taught somewhere else in scripture? Because I want to teach them how to not just take this one verse out and, and just go off on it. It's like, you've got to read verses in context. So I try to teach them to, like, if you read something in Isaiah, then look in your Bible and look at those other verses so you can see how it all comes together. And then from there, you interpret it. You know, you use a commentary secondary, but you let the God, you let God's word interpret itself. And then how do you apply that to your life? So, you know, I might give them a small passage to study and then they kind of learn how to study it like that. We also use preset ministries, um, K. Arthur's and how to study using that. And we have a teacher that comes in and teaches them that. But our desire is that by the time they're done with Mariah House, they would have known how to study scripture, uh, memorize scripture and pray, you know, and seek the Lord.
I want to take a quick break and tell you about something cool happening over at discipleship.org. It's our discipleship.org collective. It's an online community for disciples and disciple makers. And if you fit in either one of those categories, then the collective is designed just for you. The website itself is super cool because it's basically like stepping into a virtual church building with a welcome center, an auditorium for our main events, and even classrooms. Right now, you can get free access to this collective with all of its webinars, seminars, ebooks, and even disciple making assessments for you personally or for your whole church. And this is a community, so you can also have the opportunity to connect with other disciple makers. And while membership is free, there's also a premium access option, which includes courses, certifications, and online gatherings with other leaders from around the world. So head on over to discipleship.org slash collective and sign up for your free membership today. Can you share just some stories of how you've seen God working amongst people's lives? I, I think, and let me ask, let me just state why I want to ask that question is because it's really easy to boil this down. Okay, I got my to-dos. If I just, if I act like Ariana, then it might go like this and I might find success. Uh, but it's so important. I think it's so motivational to hear, like, we've done these things and we watch God work like this, like these even unexpected ways that God has worked is so inspiring to move us. Because, let, me, let me back up even another step. We're asking, if we're asking people to, to, to learn from this and do things with it, that's all change. And it's really hard to change. Like, I need motivation to change. So just like hearing how God worked, I think is really inspiring. You know, like, are there some stories or a story maybe that come to mind of somebody who you've just watched their life change? Or just watch God oh, do yes. this? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, so one of my clients, she, I'm trying to think of the area where I, saw, well, okay. So one of my clients, she had an issue where um, she had to wait to be reunited with her child. So she had to kind of go through our program and kind of go through the court system and all of that. And one of the big things we were doing was memorizing scripture on issues that she dealt with. And I remember there was a time where we were in court and she was, you know, starting to stress. And I, I remember like whispering to her, like, you've got to quote scripture. Like, this is the time to do that. And she said, scripture just started coming to her. Mm -hmm. And there was a peace that came over her. And she was able to speak clearly and say what she needs to say. And the Lord worked it all out. And I remember hearing her talk to someone else who was going through an issue. And she was like, well, what you've got to do is you've got to go to God's word and hear some verses. And I was like, yes, Lord, that's it. That's it. You know, and so it's like she saw how she wasn't just memorizing them because she was asked to do it, but how she needed those verses in battle. And there wasn't anything I could do for her. It was like, you've got to completely depend on the Lord at this time. And now she's completely reunited with her child, raising him in church, going to church. And the other thing is like the women would see this is, you know, usually the women go to church with a big group. And so when they graduate, sometimes they are feeling like, oh, I don't have this big group. I'll just watch it online. But she has faithfully been in church by herself every Sunday since she's graduated. And it's been almost two years. And the ladies see that and they're like, wow, she's still doing this. And I was like, she's doing it because this is her relationship now. Like mm. her walk with the Lord. She's not doing it for Mariah House. She's not doing it because she has to. She's doing it because this is what she wants to do. This is how she is getting life from going to church and being around believers. So I think that has been a huge thing, seeing that. And then also um, 
seeing women who were so dependent on other people for their identity and other people to encourage them and fill them up when those people weren't around seeing them say you know what it's okay if i just have god it's okay if i just have the word of god it's okay if i'm sitting at home by myself on a friday night like that is okay because that's where god wants you to be and mm -hmm. not feeling like they've got to be in a group or in a crowd so that they can feel like they belong. So that's been exciting to see that transformation because you have women who come in who were so afraid to live alone, so afraid to be without a man in their lives. And now they're saying, I'm fine. You know, I'm fine with waiting and making sure that whoever I get into a relationship with, they actually line up with God's word instead of me just going after someone because I'm feeling lonely. Because now they're like, I don't feel lonely anymore because I have the Lord. So you, you start to see it practically in their lives. So, yeah. Yeah. And so that's, a, that's amazing. You know, so they've seen that in you or in whoever is discipling them. And now they're making that their own. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, it's reproduced. Yep. Are there, are there things about what you're doing that you think help it reproduce better? So like when that lady decides, like, I have to bring these scriptures to mind. I have to, I have to live and apply what I was taught. Like what, what do you think makes that reproduce in somebody where they've owned it? Yeah, I think sharing our own stories, you know, in counseling, there's, you know, there's things you can't share and there's things you can share, but the difference with us is because we're basically Christian counseling, we can share a little bit of our own faith walk. So when they see us talk about how we had to lean into God in different trials, then it said, it kind of teaches them that, oh, that's what I do. And that's what it'll look like for me when I lean into the Lord. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then really having them read the stories of faith and scripture, where they see people struggling in things and how the Lord comes through for them. And then they see um, that's how that's how God treats all his children. Like he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't withhold any good thing from us. But then he also doesn't always make things feel good, you know, and that's that's just the walk of the Lord. It's like it's not going to feel good, but he will never withhold anything good from you. Um, and that's why you've got to have that true walk with him and not looking at God as a genie that he'll just give you everything you want, but that there are going to be hard times. But that doesn't mean he's left you. That just means that he's testing your faith. Um. Yeah, that's really good. I love that you teach that side of things that there will be difficulty because they're going to experience that. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, no one told me about this. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's very real. Yeah. And you know, the Lord, I mean, he's the one who teaches them that because it never fails. When the women are there, they either have a loss in their family while they're client there they have a health issue that comes up they didn't know about until they've been in a ride house or they're looking for a job and they get turned down on a job or they buy a car and the car gets wrecked or it's so it's like god always allows something hard to happen in their lives while they're there so mm. that they can see okay this is how i deal with it and wow. we don't pray for that <laughs> i don't want anyone to think we're like okay god they're ready for a really hard thing we're just we're just like this this is just a part of life so how are you gonna deal with it and they're like, okay, wow. so this is what That's you good. said. And this is what God's word says. And 
so that when they get out, they're not dealing with a hard thing out there. They've already dealt with it, you know? And so they're like, okay, I know how to deal with a loss. I know how to deal with rejection because I dealt with that while I was in the program. That's so good. Yeah, that so, so reminds me of Jesus and like Luke, is it Luke 10 and 11, the sinning of the 12, sinning of 72. It's like, okay, I taught you this stuff. Now you're going to walk it for a while, but I'm still here. You know, mm-hmm. when you come back, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, so true. Good, 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 good. Mm, that's really good. Uh, well, what have the ladies taught you through all of this? Oh, yes. Um, one of the first things I remember um, when I would go there, because I was so used to kind of being in Christian circles. So when I would start going to Mariah House and you've got people who are not believers or new believers, I would ask, you know, how's everybody doing? And they would say, not good. This is horrible. It's a bad day. I'm not happy. I'm struggling. And it was a wake up call for me to say, you know, it's okay to say you're not okay. It's okay to say you're not fine. It's okay to say I'm having a bad day. I don't feel good. All those things. So they taught me how to be honest about feelings um, and to share those feelings. They've also taught me about, um, I'm trying to think of how to put it into words. Mm, I think just about pain because some of the stories I hear, I'm just in shock of the things that, that have happened to these women and yet they are still here. And it's like, wow, Lord, it is only by your grace that this woman is still alive. And she's literally gone through horrific things and it hasn't taken her out yet. So it lets me know that God does allow some extreme pain in some people's lives. And I'll never understand that. You know, I'll never understand why some women go through some of the things they do and some people have never even seen it. But I do know that God is good to both of them. Um, and it's amazing to see how, even though they go through all that pain, how they still accept God as Lord and Savior, and they don't blame him. You know, in the beginning they did because they didn't know him. But then when they have a relationship mm. with him, they recognize, well, he's protected me and he's provided for me. And so it's like, wow, Lord, you are so good. But then mm. sin is real, you know, and so it helps oh. me to see sin in a whole new level that because of the fall, it literally ruined everything. Family structures, our our anatomy is all messed up. We have uh, health issues, we have mental health issues. All those things happen because of the fall. And I think for me, I used to think that mental illness and and trauma and all that, I was like, oh, you just pray that away. Like you can just pray Mm -hmm. and you'll be okay. And, And being in life, with them and doing life with them, it's like, no, things have happened to these women and that has impacted them mentally. And those things aren't just gonna go away. You know, they're gonna need some counseling. They're going to need even some medication at times to be able to get over that. Um, And so that's been a a huge eye opener for me. And that's all because of sin, you know, and because we live in a fallen world. And I hear you keep repeating if I, if my memory is correct, in the last you know thirty to forty minutes, is obedience is important mm-hmm. because sin is bad. You know? Yeah, yeah, that stuff. It, is. it ruins everything. One of the things that struck me when I was um, the counseling side was similar to your story. 
and I'd love to hear your reflection on this is like, if you're not in tune with that profession or the level of trauma people face and you see someone with a mental illness in public, there's a lot of harsh judgment and stigma that is placed on that. But when you get behind closed doors and you hear someone's story, I remember being struck several times thinking myself, if I had gone through what this person had gone through, I would be much worse. And they're doing the best they can. Now, without being in tune with that, you just see someone in, in, in society and see a mental problem and think that's like something other than mm-hmm. us, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I'm here and they're there. But when you hear the story, you go, you know, they're not doing well, but I think I would probably do as well as they're doing. There's yeah, phenomenal amount of things people go through, just as you're saying, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a, I had a situation uh, last week. I went to Piccadilly's. It's a restaurant here in Memphis. And we're sitting down, my mother, Zion, um, who's my little cousin who I'm raising, we're sitting down and we're eating. And I saw this woman, she was a waitress there. And if you've ever seen someone who um, has used meth, they have a lot of breakouts on their face. And so she had all these breakouts and I could tell by her mannerisms that, you know, she had been using. And, and so, but I, I watched everyone else's responses to her and they were like sneering at her and making comments about mm-hmm. her and not wanting her to be near them. And I was just like, Oh God, she needs help. She needs help. And I'm, I'm in my mind figuring like, how do I get to her? How do I talk to her? And I remember there was a woman who asked her, um, what happened to your face? You know, why are you so broken out? And and she said, oh, I'm allergic to wool. I had a wool blanket. It broke me out. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God, I've got mm-hmm. to talk to her. And so in my purse, I had an envelope that had our address. Well, not our full address, but had Memphis Union Mission on it. And so I wrote down a little note and I wrote down my office number. And I was just trying to figure out a time to talk with her. So she had gone. Um, behind like this little partition. So I went back there and I was like, at this point, because of what we do, I just don't get around the bush. I said, hey, I work at a Christian recovery program. I know you need help. And she just started crying. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I'm trying so hard. I have to get tested every day and I'm on this and I'm on that. And I was like, well, this is my number and that's what we do. We can help you. I said, call me, like call me right now. And so she went to get her phone and she came back with her boss and he was like, people are really confused about you and you have to leave. And I was just like, oh Lord. And I was like, people don't understand, but I, I get it. She's in a workplace and you know, that's not the right setting for it, but yeah, you don't know someone's story. And and it's so easy to just push them to the side and say, oh, well, they're just on drugs and they don't want to get help. But you have no idea what these people are struggling with. Um, so, I mean, to date, she hasn't called me yet, but I'm praying yeah. that she will call because yes. I was like, I've got space available and that is what we do. But, you know, people want to know that you see them and that you care about them. Um, and I think that was the thing with her and I is that she knew like, okay, I, I can't hide. Somebody sees mm. that I'm struggling and somebody actually cares. They want to oh. talk to me, but you know, I don't know what the Lord's going to do with that, but she's got wow. my number on an envelope. Hopefully she doesn't lose it. <laughs> yes. You were available. You mentioned that word 
And, you know, I love John 3, couple first couple of verses where they heal the, the lame man at the gate. Mm. But it's the first thing it says is that Peter looked directly at him. You yes. know, I think that's there for a reason. Most yes. people were walking by, but, you know, he just, he saw the man for who he was. He looked right at mm-hmm. him. And I think there's something dignifying about that. There is. There is. Because even the women who would come in, they would say, when we're driving through Memphis and they see women on street corners and everything, they're like, man, I remember being there. And she said, you know, mm-hmm. they would tell me it's so hard when people just drive by, like they're sitting at the stoplight and they won't look at you. She's, they would tell me like, that's so hard because it's like, I don't even exist. You know, so even if you can't give money, you can look, you can give a smile, you can acknowledge that someone is present, you know, and that there's a human being there. Uh, Cause that means a lot. People need to have encouragement. One thing Zion and I used to do um, is because I wanted her to have a heart for the lost. So we would take granola bars um, or what was the other thing? I think we took peanut butter crackers and we would took, we would take a dollar bill because she would get an allowance. So I was like, okay, let's take a dollar bill, we'll wrap that around and then we'll take a track and wrap it around. We'll put a rubber band on it and we would keep them in the car. And I said, when we drive by and we see someone, you give them that. Because here's the thing, people need food. Like you gotta meet a physical need. And then sometimes people need a financial assistance, but mm. then they need the word of God. So you get all three in one, <laughs> you know, and, and every time you stop, you don't have the time to sit there like, well, let me share the gospel with you. You got cars honking their horns. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to pass this to you. And you got all three <laughs> right here. <laughs> if you want to go get a bottle of water, you got a dollar, you got something to eat and you got something spiritual. So but then just let people know that you see them and they're not, you know, it's invisible. That's, oh, that's so good. You keep mentioning Zion. So tell us a little bit, of, if it's okay, about discipling family and yes. amongst all the business of life, family first. Like, how does that look within the home and discipleship there? Yes. So Zion and I, our story is um, Zion is my second cousin. So her mom and I are first cousins. And my mom actually assisted in raising her mother. Um, from the age of 10 on up. So my cousin, um, her mom, Zion's mom, had gotten into a situation where she just needed help. And so I stepped in and we thought, you know, this would just be short term. We were thinking maybe four months, six months, but it's been five years. And wow. and my thing was when I said yes, I remember praying very hard about it because I was a single woman. I was almost 40 at the time. So I was like, okay, Lord, this is really going to change my life to bring a kid into my life. I've never been married, never had child. But I said, if I'm going to say yes to this, I need to say yes for a long term. Like, I can't think of it as, okay, this is just for six months or this is just for a year. So when I said yes, I said, I did it all in. And I was like, Lord, you've got to give me a community of people to help me. Um, and I remember one of my good friends, Tiffany, telling me at the time, she said, well, you won't see your, commun- your community until you're obedient to what God's calling you to do. Mm. You know, and we always want to see God show us, like, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And he's like, well, you do what I tell you to do first, then I'll show you <laughs> how I'm going to come through. So when I said yes, um, the body of believers came alongside. I mean, I had people helping me get her to school and babysitting her and bringing me clothes, all kinds of things. Um, and one of the things that I remember, I started off with Zion, even when she was a little baby, I think she was maybe about three years old, so she didn't really know how to speak that well. But um, from my years of doing um, 
like childhood evangelism and, and youth groups and stuff like that, I would teach her a passage. And when that passage was Deuteronomy 6, and I have it in my Bible and I have Zion written on the margin because this was the first verse I was teaching her. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And I would teach her that over and over again with hand movements. And I would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. And she would be saying it. And, and that was my prayer for her is, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do in this little girl's life. I loved her from the moment I saw her. Like, literally, I was in the delivery room. And so I saw her like being delivered and I was like oh my gosh this baby is just precious and I just love her but I wanted to see her come to know the Lord at an early age and I wanted her to walk wholeheartedly with the Lord and her mom gave her such an amazing name Zion I mean I was like the city of God the the city that the Lord creates you know in in the new earth new heaven and I was just like, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do in this child's life. And so when she started living with me, my desire was, I just want to teach her God's word. And the, actually, the funny thing is, I didn't realize that I was teaching her when I would have my morning Bible studies. Because one of the prayers that I had was like, okay, God, I will say yes to you, but I've got to still be able to do the things that you've told me to do. I've still got to be able to disciple women. Uh, I would still have Bible study at 5.30 in the morning. She would be asleep, but then she would wake up and she would sit on the couch and she would listen in to the Bible studies. And it was a, probably around maybe six or seven months in, she started asking me, am I a Christian? And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> I said, not if you haven't accepted Jesus, you're not a Christian. And she was like, well, I hear you guys always talk about Christians and disciples and and I want to be one and I said okay well you just got to get to a point where you want to you know ask him as your lord and savior and she would keep asking so then I, I sat down with her shared the gospel with her and I said do you want to become a Christian do you want to be a child of God and she said yes and I led her in a prayer um, and then she was baptized on Easter and I got a chance to baptize her mm. and I know sometimes people feel like oh with little kids you don't know if they're serious about it but for me I felt like that was a hunger that God put in her because she saw people walking with the Lord and studying God's word and she said I want to be a part of that I want to be a part of that group and it wasn't that she wants to be baptized because she wants to go swimming it was like you know she's like I want to be in this family and I don't know what that family is, but I want to be a part of that. And so going fast forward, yes. she she loves God. She just went to camp this summer. She went to a camp called Kids Across America. And one of the counselors um, there said that they were just so surprised on her knowledge of God's word and how she kept sharing the gospel with people. And I'm like, she's 10. And then um, there's a time when my friend came to visit and she brought her little girl with her. And I think her daughter is maybe five or six, and they were playing in the back when we're not paying any attention and they're playing with their toys or whatever. And as my friend and her daughter were driving back, she said, her little girl said, well, Zion asked me if I was a Christian and Zion asked if I was going to go to heaven. And, and Zion was telling me this. And I mean, she just ran it down. And so my friend calls um, me back and she says, Zion was sharing the gospel with her. And I said, oh my gosh, like that's the Lord. So that's what you want to see. But a lot of things that Zion is doing has been 
caught, not taught. It's not like I've sat down with her and said, okay, when your friends come over, you share the gospel with them and this is what you say. No, she's just watched me do it. She's watched me share the gospel. She's watched other people share the gospel. She listens to sermons at church. She reads her Bible and the Lord is just teaching her how to do that. So it's like, I don't think we have to make discipling our children so structured. I think we have to really figure out how to do that in life um, because our kids should see us doing it in our life. And that is what they will remember. You know, not always the let's sit down and study mm -hmm. the Bible together, but you see me every morning reading my Bible. And so now at, at this age, one of the gifts I gave her for her 10th birthday was her own devotional. Now she's had um, a one year Bible and she's been reading through that, but I gave her a devotional and I said, the way you see me read my Bible in the morning, I want you to start doing it. And so there's times where I might say, go do your devotion. There's other times I come out and she's sitting on the couch with her little devotional and her notebook and she's writing down what she's learning and then she's telling me what she's learned and I said, Lord, I just want her to, you know, you got to teach them how to feed themselves because she's not going to be with me forever. You know, and I don't mm, want her so going good. off and saying, well, no one's here to teach me anymore. So I guess I don't have to do it anymore. It's like, no, I want it to be a part of her life. That Yes. Oh, that's so good. I was just reminded as you were saying that uh, we, we went to a drive through zoo a while back mm. in, in Georgia and you, well, you wanted to ride in their car, not your car, because you don't want your car to get destroyed. Right, but right. Elk would walk up and camel would walk up. All these, I mean, hundreds of animals would flock to the bus. You would throw food at them, cows and stuff. And then you went around this corner and there were two lions in little cages out in a field. And these lions were just sitting there watching all these hundreds of animals just right outside their cage, just so helpless. It was just so sad to see these two lions. And I just think like, when you said catch it, not teach it, like she's seeing a Christian in a Christian's native environment, right? Like mm. out there mm. doing what a lion's supposed to do mm. instead of just, so like, if you want to know what a lion does, you don't go to that petting zoo and see like, no. okay, how do they eat steak when you, when you hand it to them like this? Right. That's not what a lion's supposed to do, you know? Right. And, and I just think about her watching you be a disciple. And it's like, you know, you're not like, okay, step one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a funny thing too. It's like, um, Zion goes with me when I go teach. And mm, so we cool. were at a, um, we were at a thing for church and she had headphones on. Okay. And she's like playing this little game and I was, um, doing the, what, what talk was I doing? I think I was doing the downline talk on, um, the Matthew 28, who, what, when, where. And so I said, um, what does the verse tell us to do? Like, what are we supposed to do? And most people are saying, you're supposed to go. And she said, make disciples. <laughs> and I was like, excuse me. She said, you're supposed to make disciples. And, and they were all like, oh my gosh. I was like, one, she's heard this lesson probably 500 times. But I said, Zion, what did you say? And she was like, well, you're supposed to make disciples. That's what Matthew 28 says. And, and she just said it like, I just know this. I was like, oh, Lord. So, I mean, cool. they're, they're picking up on everything, whether we realize it or not. So we want to make sure they're picking up on the right things. <laughs> but, um, I mean, that's all the Lord, because no one taught me how to disciple a child. You know, I didn't have that. And so I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to do what I've been doing before she came into my life. And 
you just gotta show me how to do this and I guess this is just how it's working out. So Seems I'm like, like it's working thank out. You, Lord. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank yes. you for sharing that. You're welcome. Can can you can you maybe mention a thing or two about how you take care of yourself? Because I'm I'm hearing all this care for others, care for others, care for her, care for all these people, stress. Like mm -hmm. what do you do to look out for yourself? Yeah, now that is a very good question. Um I am at a point now where I kind of have to refocus um because i feel like even this past summer i feel like i have been pulled in so many directions um and one thing i used to do and i'm i feel like lord's telling me i need to get back to it is i used to write out my priorities and i would say okay what's priority one is god's word and spending time with the lord and then priority two is exercise or what have you um so i feel like one thing for me is by the grace of God, I can recognize when I'm starting to get stressed um, because my mind starts to wonder. I can't focus on things. I get easily irritated. I get easily anxious. So I have to start pulling back. Um, and so what I do is I will have time where, like, let's say I'm off for a weekend and I purposely don't schedule anything. And I'm like, I'm not going anything. I'm not doing anything around the house i'm just going to stop and rest and you know watch a movie or read a book or sleep i'm just going to do that and and that's something that by again by the grace of god zion understands well i'll say zion i need a break and she's like okay see you later and she'll ask me how long are you going to take a break are you going <laughs> to nap for an hour because when that timer goes off then she's like okay your your time is up um, <laughs> Sounds like a 10-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I do is um, I am a semi-sporadic person. So there's times where I will, because I did this before I had Zion in my home, is I would just take getaways. So there's times where I'll say, Zion, I think we have been like overwhelmed. So we're just going to go out of town for a weekend. We're going to just in the car pack up your stuff and she knows them and i say okay we're leaving like two hours and we're gonna drive to arkansas she's like okay they pack my bag and we just get out and just go um the other thing is is when we take a vacation we truly take a vacation because i am so used to being on a schedule you know i've got a time for everything so when we go on vacation there is no schedule and I remember the first vacation we took, Zion was just so confused. She was like, so what are we doing next? I said, there is no schedule. She's like, so wait, what time do we eat? When, whenever we get hungry. Like, that's, that's good for her. Yeah. So I want to teach her how to just completely unplug. And that's good. So I love when I go on vacation, I completely unplug. There is no schedule. I, I regroup. I recharge. I go on walks. I read books. I do whatever. Um, and so I look forward to those times and I try to plan those times as best as I can. Um, but this season of my life has been just busy. I think it's been like that for everybody, mm. but especially in my setting with, um, COVID and things like that, where I think I'm off and then, you know, something happens and I've got to go in. But when I get those times of being off, I really take it and I'm, off and i'm unplugged and and i think one verse that that sticks out to me for that is when the lord would um when jesus brought back them after they had gone out and ministered he said come away and rest with me for a while 
and we don't know where they went, but they went somewhere and they rested. So I feel like we have to take times to get away from everything and rest. Even if it's a staycation, don't tell anybody you're staying home. Just say, I'm going on vacation. And once they see your car in the driveway, don't tell them anything. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm away. I'm not available. Because the world will still go on. And, and oh, we have yes. to take care of our, our mind and our spirits, especially our spiritual health with the Lord. We have to have that time where we say, God, it's just me and you. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you do that. I'm glad that you're looking out for her and for so many people. It's just important to know somebody's looking out for you as well, you know, and that mm. has to be you, you're your own advocate. So I love this conversation. I wish we had another hour or so to talk. You're just really full of knowledge and practical experience and love of God and people. It's just really sweet to hear your stories and connect with you and get to know you a little bit better. So is there any maybe like last word or anything that you want to share before we wrap up? Let's see. I do. Um, I had a passage and then I turned my page. So hold on. It's all right. We'll edit. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 Oh, yeah. That's good. So you just take your time. It is. It's Isaiah chapter 50. Um, and I can't remember when this was, but I think I was um, speaking at a a women's retreat on discipleship. And for so many of those conferences and workshops, I had always gone to the New Testament. And I remember praying and saying, God, do you ever say the word disciple in the Old Testament? Like, where is that? And so Lord led me to Isaiah chapter 50, verse four. And it says, the Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. And in that passage, you see that a disciple has um, a special type of way they speak because they have a word for a weary one. You know, and you think about mm -hmm. um, just people in general, we're all having days where we're just weary. You know, one of the passages the Lord's been laying on my heart over and over again is come to me all who are weary and heavy laden i will give you rest so the lord gives us that tongue so that we can sustain someone and then he also awakens us morning by morning you know recognizing that he's the one that gives you life he's the one who sets the path for the day and then it says he awakens my ear to listen as a disciple so as you are listening to people and especially for me in counseling but as i'm listening to people i'm saying okay lord how do you want me to respond to them um, instead of let me just go to this verse or let me just go to this analogy. It's like, no, listen with the ear of a disciple that, Lord, you have to give me a word to sustain them. So that would be my encouragement, um, even as a parent, that we would have an ear of disciple of, Lord, how do, you, how do you want me to encourage this weary child? You know, how do you want me to encourage them or discipline them or guide them? and not be my own thoughts, but your thoughts, because he's the great teacher. He's the great counselor. He's the great parent. And if we don't listen to him, then we're not going to have it right. You know, we're going to be leading people astray. So that's one that, um, that just really sticks out to me. And that's Isaiah 50 verse four. That's so timely right now because we're weary, uh -huh. stressed, anxious, <laughs> hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I mean, it's yes. just all on the table. Just put it all on the table. All of it. 
Yeah. And so be patient, patient and graceful. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you end with scripture, but that's on your heart. Yes. I love how tuned you are with the Lord. It's really cool to, I'd love to talk with you some more about that sometime on that specific thing, but we'll save that for another time. But thank you so much, Ariana. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Awesome stuff from Matt Davs and Ariana Rimson. I hope that you enjoyed that episode and I hope that it helped you out in your journey in becoming a disciple maker. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, I would love it if you'd hit subscribe so that you can stay up to date. Every time I release a new episode each week, that would be fantastic. And in case you missed the very beginning, we have a digital access pass promo going on right now. Our National Disciple Making Forum happened last week. It was a fantastic time. And for a limited time only through the end of this year, December 31st, you can purchase the digital access pass for $49. I'm going to drop the link in the show notes because it is just too long to say out loud with your words. (laughs) Check us out next week. We'll have a new episode for you. And in the meantime, have a great day and enjoy the Lord and follow him in making disciples. See you next time.